some new faces, but we are still here in the Word of God, and we are here to expound it, to reveal it to ourselves, because God wants us to continue to respect the Word of God and His presence in our life. So if there are some people here who don't have Bibles, please uh, give them some of our Bibles there and help them out in looking for the verse, this, the, the passage this morning. So we are here in Revelation chapter 22, 6 to 21. It's been, I think, since last year, late last year when I started preaching on the book of Revelation. And thank God we have finished Revelation and we're going to finish it this morning. And it's very interesting and amazing that the last few verses of the book of Revelation in, here in chapter 22 is all about the invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ to God's people and also to the people in the world. And if you are here right now, you know that there are times in the past or even right now that you have been invited to come to some event or some celebration or some party and especially today, probably have been invited to the baptismal service of our dear brother Ronnie. So regarding invitations, there are two groups of people. There are people who accept the invitation. There are people who reject the invitation. And I would like to instill this in your mind right now, this very morning. There are seven invitations that I'm going to share with you from the Word of God. And I would like you by the grace of God, to accept each one of these invitations. Don't refuse it. Don't reject it. Because if you do reject it, then you won't be able to go to heaven and see our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let us bow first in the word of prayer and then we'll go dig into the word of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can open your word. We are here in a free society, at least for now, we can reveal the Word of God to our hearts and to the people in our congregation and to the people in our community. And we thank you that we are here today to listen to your Word, to your voice, speaking through me, O Lord, your messenger. So I pray, Lord, that I will be faithful in spreading your Word and telling and in declaring your Word and explaining it to your people. And I pray that each one of us, O Lord, will come out of this service, O Lord, not only renewed and refreshed, but challenged, O Lord, to spread the good news to as many people as possible. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, Amen. You know, as I've said a while ago, our Lord God always takes delight in inviting people. All throughout the, gosp the Gospels and also even the Old Testament, God had been inviting people to come to Him. Not just to come to him and go to a worship service, but to come to a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior. He's inviting all people in the world. Because remember, all the people in the world, whether you are a believer in Christ or not, the Bible says we are all created in the image of God. And he wants us to go back into that original image before the fall in Genesis chapter 3. He wants us to be restored and reconciled into our relationship with the Lord God. And not only that, He invites us to come 
and be fully satisfied in Him and Him alone. Because right now, if you're here, you might be saying, you know, Pastor, I still am not satisfied. I may have all the riches in the world. I may have all the technology, the gadgets. I may have everything right now. I may not have probably... Um, I'm not hungering, I'm not thirsting for food or for water, but I'm not satisfied. There's something missing in my life. I know that even if you don't accept that truth, each one of us is not satisfied unless you have that personal relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Time and again, throughout the Bible, God is extending an invitation for all people to come. And when we come to Him, we're going to enjoy Him and everything that He provides. Sometimes these invitations are extended through God's servants. And God, especially nowadays, would not extend His invitation personally or directly. He uses us as God's servants. And we'll see that in Revelation 22, 6-21. He used an angel and he used John the Beloved, one of the last disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. So now let's take a look at some verses. Okay? You may take a look at your Bible as we go through these seven invitations from the other parts of the Word of God. So the first one is in Psalm 34. Psalm 34 verse 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Magnify and exalt. Those are two words that God wants us to give only to Him. He's the only one who can be lifted up. He's the only one that can be honored and glorified in our world. Second, in Psalm 66, Psalm 66 verses 5 and 6, Come and see the works of God. He is terrible in His doing toward the children of men. He turned the sea into dry land, and they went through the flood on foot. There did we rejoice in him. So here, the psalmist was recollecting the memories of the Red Sea experience. Remember the Exodus experience of God's people? They were being chased by the Egyptians, by the armies of Pharaoh. Those soldiers were in their back. But in front of them was the enormous Red Sea. Also, they have two problems in front of them and in their backs. What do they do? They did nothing but to wait on the Lord. The Lord did everything for them. They were able to cross the Red Sea on dry land. Because God parted the Red Sea. Come and see the works of God. The work of God is all over the place. We see His nature. We see the changes in God's people. We see the changes in the world. And later on, Brother Ronnie will share with us his testimony, how God has truly changed him. That's one of the works of God. Thirdly, in Psalm 95, Psalm 95 verses 1 and 2, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. And that's what we're doing a while ago. Psalm 95, 1 and 2. Come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. 
When we sing to the Lord, we're making a noise. Just like a while ago, we're singing on the top of our voices. But that noise is a joyful noise. Because any other noise in the world, in this world that we live in, is not a joyful noise. They may be noises, but they are just disturbing noises. They, will, they are not joyful noises that we sing unto the Lord. Verse 2 of the same Psalm, Psalm 95, Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto Him with psalms. Did you come here today with thanksgiving in your heart or did you come here complaining? Are you thankful that you are here today? Are you thankful that when you wake up this morning, you're still alive and breathing and you are able to attend this service? You know what? If this is your first time to attend this service, you need to feel blessed because many other people are not, listen, are not paying attention to the Word of God. They pay attention to the voices of the world. The voices that tell them to do something that is wrong, that is not biblical. Things that are not right in the eyes of God. But God wants you here. Don't say that I'm here because of Ronnie's baptism. Because when you come here, it is God's appointment. Remember, everything that happens in your life, whether you believe in God or not, it's under God's control. Your life is in God's hand. And He wants you. He wants you to receive Him and let Him be in control of your dear life. In the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus Christ called the first four disciples of the twelve. Peter and Andrew, James and John, who were fishermen. In Matthew 4, 19, he said unto them, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So these four fishermen were said, Jesus Christ said, You will no longer be fishermen, but now you will be fishers of men. And that's what we are, God's servants. Those who are here, who are born-again believers, you are called to be fishers of men. You're going to spread the good news and tell them that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Further on in Matthew 4, uh, Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, 11, 28 to 30, Jesus Christ was talking to a group of people, a multitude. So it could be a group of people who are believers in Christ already, or those people are still seeking for truth. And this is what he told them, starting in verse 28 of Matthew 11. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you are here today, you are loaded, your heart is heavy, you're not satisfied, you're panicking, you're not having a calm heart, but instead a heart that is panicking, a heart that is troubled. Jesus Christ said, I will give you rest, but you need to do something first. You need to come to him. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest upon your souls. And then verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
That's the solution to every burden, to any heavy load in our life. Give it to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come to Him and tell Him, Lord Jesus, I have so much burden in my life right now. Whether you are a believer or not, give that burden to the Lord. Cast your burdens unto the Lord and He will sustain you. He will sustain you. He will not remove the burden or the problem that He will carry you. He will sustain you all throughout that problem in your life. And that's a great thing. That's a great thing because that will unload all those burdens and will help you go through the challenge in your life. Second to the last, Mark chapter 10 verse 21. Mark 10 verse 21. Jesus Christ was talking to a young rich ruler. And this young rich ruler approached him. He was actually running towards Jesus Christ. He was seeking him and asked him, what good thing should I do in order to have eternal life? First and foremost, there was a big problem with the question of this young rich ruler. Because he thought, he thought that in order to have eternal life, you need to do something good. And you know, that's the way of the world, right? In the world that we live in, people believe that I can go to heaven or to what we call paradise by doing something good. Like giving food to the hungry, giving water to the thirsty, giving to charitable organizations, or even, even helping in the church, cooperating and using the talents that God has given me. But that's not the way of the Bible. God said, you cannot do anything that's good in order to inherit eternal life. Because Isaiah 64 verse 6 tells us, all our righteousnesses or our good works are like filthy rugs. Filthy rugs. You know, those rugs like that, the rugs in front of the, the building, just like that, perhaps dirtier. What does that mean? That means that that will not be able to reach the standard of God. Because God has a very high standard. Actually, His standard is a perfect standard. And no one can attain that standard. That's why He told this young rich ruler, did you do all these commandments? The second half of the Ten Commandments. And then the young ruler said, yes, I did everything since I was a child until now. But then this is the kicker of this message to the ruler. He said, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, and what will happen? Thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And the Bible says, he went away sorrowful. Why? Because he had so much riches. His God is his riches. He doesn't want Jesus Christ to be his own God. If you are here today, I'm going to explain more about that in our seven invitations. But if you are here today, who is your God? Is that God the God of the Bible? Or is that God your possessions? Or is that God you yourself? I want you to make the God of the Bible, specifically in the person of Jesus Christ, as your God 
himself. Because otherwise, that God of yours will not bring you true joy. That God of yours will not bring you salvation. That God of yours will not bring you to heaven. Only Jesus Christ can bring you to heaven. And lastly, in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Jesus Christ desires to have fellowship with each one of us. Especially, he was talking to the believers in the seven churches in chapter 3. He wants to have fellowship with you. You know what fellowship means? To have something to share with the person. He wants to share his blessings. He wants to share his joy and his love with you. And he cannot do that if you do not let him. That's why we have been given the free will, the free choice to accept or to refuse his invitations. So Christ invites all of us, whether you are a believer or not, to hear him. If you have not heard the word of God, or probably you have heard the word of God, but you keep on rejecting the word of God before, this is the right time. You are here today to listen to the word of God. Please pay attention and accept his invitation to come to a restored relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. When we talk about last words, and these are the last words of Jesus Christ in our Bible, last words are words that provide lasting impression, right? And when we say lasting impression, those are the words that, that stick to our minds and hearts. Those are the things that we keep on remembering. What was the last word that you have heard from your parents or from a loved one who just passed on? Sometimes those words will linger on until now, right? And hopefully, these last words of our Lord Jesus Christ in chapter 22 will linger on and will help you to reflect on your life and to accept this invitation. So let's take a look at the first one. The first invitation is obey the word of God. Look at verses 6 and 7. Uh, remember, we are already at the new heaven and the new earth. Okay? As I've said last week, the devil is no longer here. There are no sinners in the new heaven and new earth. It's all believers and the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father and the Holy Spirit. So there are no sinners here. There's no devil, no antichrist, no sinners. So in verse 6, 6 and 7, he said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must surely be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. First and foremost, the Bible tells us that the sayings are faithful and true. What, what sayings? Everything that preceded this chapter. And I believe not only the book of Revelation, but everything that precedes the book of Revelation, from Genesis up to the epistles of John and Jude, and all the books of the Bible, those are the sayings of the Lord God. And he said, all of these are faithful. 
You know, the word faithful, when, when we talk about in this world, talk, we talk about marriages, right? Or some relationships. But the word faithful here actually means it's reliable. Something that you can trust. Something that is credible. Something that you can believe in and hang on. Because you can depend on these sayings. That's the word of God. The word of God is always faithful. He will always fulfill His promises. Another characteristic is that it is also true. It's genuine. It's authentic. It's not fake. Because this is spoken by the perfect God. And the Bible says, The Lord God of the Holy Prophet sent His angel, His messenger, His servant, to proclaim this to the other servants. And in this case, John the Beloved. And to those of us who are listening to this message, God is declaring to us also that His word is faithful and also true. So what do we do with that? With the sayings of the Lord God? We need to keep it. We need to obey the word of God. Why? Because Jesus Christ said, Behold, I'm coming quickly. I'm coming quickly. Take note of the word quickly. He's going to come very, very soon. We don't know what time. We don't know what day. What hour, what second, what, mean, what, what minute. But he could come anytime soon. It could be after the baptism of Ronnie. Or it could be right after this message. Who knows? That's why when Jesus Christ said, Behold, I come quickly, that's a reminder to all of us to be ready. Are you ready? Are you ready for his second coming? Or you might say, no, I'm not ready yet, Pastor. How can I be ready? First and foremost, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have admitted that you are a sinner and that you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and was resurrected on the third day and you confess and call on His name to be your Lord and Savior, then you can be ready. And if you are believing in Christ, how can you be more ready? Are you serving Him right now faithfully? In your church? Are you serving Him in the community where you live in? Are you working for Him right now as His servant, as His co-worker? That's how we get ready because He's coming quickly. We get ready by obeying the Word of God. In the book of Revelation, I told you this uh, before and just write this down. There are seven Beatitudes did you know that aside from Matthew chapter 5, there are also seven blessings or seven beatitudes in the book of Revelation? For the sake of time, let just take this down. The first one is in chapter 1 verse 3, all in Revelation. Chapter 1 verse 3. Second one is chapter 14 verse 13. Third one, chapter 16 verse 15. Number 4, chapter 19 verse 9. Number 5, chapter 20, verse 6. And the last two will be here in these two chapters. In this chapter 22, verse 7, the one that I've read, and later on in verse 14. Obey the word of God. And how do we obey the word of God? Of course, there's that 
requirement that we need to know first what is God's word. We cannot obey something that we don't know. That's why in our church, we always emphasize the importance of not only reading and browsing through the Bible, but studying it in your own personal time. So if you want to study more the Word of God, not only by yourself, please join us Wednesday nights and Thursday nights and also Sunday morning so that you can continue to grow and that you will be able to obey the Word of God. The second invitation, be true to the worship of God. Be true to the worship of God. Verses 8 and 9. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. John the Beloved, for the second time in the book of Revelation, thought that this angel that he was talking to was the Lord Jesus Christ himself. But this was an angel. So he was mistaken. He was mistaken. So the angel said to him in verse 9, Then saith unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of his book. Look at what the angel said. Worship God. Worship him alone. The second commandment tells us, actually the first two commandments tells us, in the book of Moses, in Exodus chapter 20, I am the Lord your God. There's no other God beside me. And the second says, Thou shalt, have no other, uh, thou shalt not make graven images. Modern day interpretation, Thou shalt not worship idols. We are always talking about idols and idolatry in our church, in our Bible studies. And remember, our idols nowadays are not those statues or images that we see around us, but idols are anything that take the place of God's position in our life. What should be the position of God in our life? He should be number one. The only one. The only love of our life. But sometimes, it's not true. God becomes number two, number three, four, or five, sometimes number ten. So those other things, one to nine, are our idols. Because they are not real gods. If you read Psalm 115, it says there, in Psalm 115, in your own time, please read that. It says there that, the false idols or the false gods, do they have eyes, but they cannot see. They have mouth, but they cannot speak. They have ears, but they cannot hear. So what's the use of those false gods? Our God is invisible, but He can see. He can speak. He listens to our prayers. And he has hands to help us in our work, in our ministry. Be true to the worship of God. He hates idolatry. And that's why the people of Israel were cap captured by the Babylonians. That's the punishment of God to the people of Israel. 
All throughout the ages, they fell into idolatry. During that time, they worshipped and bowed down images, statues, trees, plants, and all kinds of idols. But now, we have a different kind of idols. We have social media, like Instagram, Twitter, and now I, I believe uh, TikTok is number one, right? Many people are using TikTok. Right? Even Christians. And you know what? People, sometimes Christians, spend more time being in the social media rather than being in the Word of God. And sometimes when you are reading your Bible in your smartphone, and then there's this notification, text message or Facebook messages, you are disturbed and distracted. So what do you do? You take a look, oh, what's this? And then lo and behold, you find out after one hour, you're no longer reading the Word of God, but you're reading the messages from your friends. Do you think God will be pleased with that? Do you think God will be delighted with that? You're taking the most precious time that you could ever have for the whole day for something that will not matter for eternity. I know I'm not talking only with the young people. I'm talking to all of us. We're all tempted, especially during the pandemic, the lockdowns. What do we do? We're in front of the computer, in front of our phones. And because of that, sadly speaking, many people have not gone back to church because they would make an excuse. Oh, our church has a live stream. There's an online church live streaming every Sunday. So why should I go there? I'm in the comfort of my bed, lying down, having my coffee, and so on. In still my pajamas. That's why we don't do live stream. Because we don't want to tolerate that kind of attitude. We can have fellowship in person. Real fellowship, especially the biblical times, is actually face to face. They meet together and they encourage one another. They pray for one another. Be true to the worship of God. The same disciple, John the Beloved, in one of his epistles said, guard yourselves from all idols. There are so many idols. We need to guard ourselves. If we don't do that, we're going to drop our guard, then we'll fall into idolatry. And God is not pleased. God is not honored. Third invitation, proclaim the truth of God. Verses 10 and 11. He said unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Remember, he was talking to God's servants, God's people, those who are believers, born again, individuals. So he said, do not seal anymore. Don't hide it from people. Share it. Proclaim, declare God's truth that is going to come very quickly. So everybody should get ready. 
But something is bothering here in verse 11 because it seems that we're just letting people who are unjust to remain unjust and the filthy ones to remain filthy. And those who are righteous people to remain righteous. But we must understand from the context of this book, the book of Revelation, what the Lord wants to tell us, God's people, is that when you share the good news of my gospel and people said, I reject the, the truth from your Bible, I don't want to be righteous just like you in, in the grace of God, then let them be. Let them be. We should not force people and coerce them to come to know Jesus Christ because they need to make their own choice. If they want to remain unjust, if they want to remain filthy in the eyes of God, then let them be. But it's your responsibility, it's my responsibility to tell them that they are sinners and that they need to come to Jesus Christ and be saved. Number four invitation, verses 12 to 15, pursue the will of God. 22 verses 12 to 15, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. So God, Jesus Christ saying the second time, I am coming quickly. So take note there. He is going to say this again third time later on at the end of this passage. I'm coming quickly, so get ready. Be prepared. And when I come, I'm going to give all my rewards to my people who are doing good works. So remember, our salvation is brought about by Jesus Christ. Our salvation is always initiated by God himself. We are not saved by good works, but we are saved by grace through faith. But after our salvation, what happens? What results? Good works. So faith first in Jesus Christ and then good works. And that's what Jesus Christ is telling us here. When you do good works for me after your salvation, I'm going to give you rewards. And this reward comes from Jesus Christ. This rewards do not come from people. The source of this reward is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we do every day. That's why we serve God. Because we know that God is going to give us rewards in the form of crowns. But remember, all those crowns will be laid down at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ when we go to heaven. So in verses 13 to 15, Jesus Christ said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is the first and the last, the beginning, the ending, the Alpha and the Omega. That means he is the creator. He is also the finisher of our faith and of this world. He created this world. He created each one of us in his image and is going to destroy this heaven and this earth. The heaven that we see here right, right now and the earth that we are living in will be destroyed. All your electric, electric vehicles, all your cars, or all your mansions, beautiful houses will be destroyed. Only your soul will be going somewhere, whether in heaven 
or in hell. In verse 14, Blessed are they that do His commandments. This is the seventh beatitude, the seventh blessed in the book of Revelation. Blessed are they that do His commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers, idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh alive. Only those people who have come to know Jesus Christ will experience the blessings of the tree of life. The tree of life is the tree that will bear fruit for 12 months in a year, forever and ever. But only people who trusted in Jesus Christ, surrendered their life to Him, will be able to enter this place, the new heaven, the new earth. And it says, for without, that's the old King James style of saying, outside this new heaven and new earth, which is hell, the lake of fire. The people who will be there are like dogs and sorcerers, whoremongers, murderers, idolaters, liars. Remember, there will be no liars in heaven. Only righteous people. They are righteous because they are made righteous by the Lord Jesus Christ. Those people who are not righteous by the grace of God will be in the lake of fire. And as I've said a while ago, you can only be righteous through Jesus Christ. Trust in Him as your Lord and Savior, and He will make you righteous. Number five, invitation. Respond to the invitation of God. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. For us believers, we are told to share as a witness all the things that we've been learning from the Bible, especially from the book of Revelation. And look at the invitation of the Holy Spirit in verse 17. The Spirit and the bride. Remember the bride here is the church plus the people of Israel who were saved during the time of the tribulation. What was the invitation? The four-letter word, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Again, the invitation is to come to Jesus Christ. Because he will give you the living water. And you will no longer be thirsty. You will be completely satisfied. And that's the reason why many people are not satisfied. Blaise Pascal, one of the uh, scientists in the past, he was a Christian, and he said in one of his um, diaries or journals that in every person's heart, there's a vacuum. There's an emptiness that only God can fill in. If we fill that vacuum with all the riches of this world, anything other than God, that will not satisfy you. And that's the reason why no one in this world, not even us, can be satisfied if that vacuum is filled in by the things of the world rather than by the Lord Jesus Christ. So come to Him. He is faithful. He is true to His word. Next to the last invitation, heed the warning of God, 18 to 19. This for God's people. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, 
If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Do not add, do not subtract from the word of God. So how do we do that? How do we add? If we say something that is not included in the word of God and tell people that you should believe this, one great example is this. The Bible did not tell us how to dress up going to the worship service. And many churches, although they, have, they don't have written document, but they have an informal and non-verbal policy that when you go to this church, you should be wearing coat and tie. Everybody and the ladies should wear skirts, no pants. And ladies should have long hair and men should have short hair. That's adding to the Bible. Maybe you have been part of the church in the past. And you might be offended. And pe people like those will be offended. But I didn't see anything in the Bible that tells us how to dress up in the worship service. It only says that dress modestly. Dress modestly. Appropriately. That's one thing. There are so many other things that we put in the Christian faith that they are not written in the Word of God. And if those areas are not biblical, then why should we follow them? Why should we follow them? How do we subtract from the Word of God? If we do not declare everything, for example, when we share the good news, we tell them, you know, God loves you. So pray this prayer and you will be saved. What's the problem? You didn't tell the person that he is a sinner, that you are a sinner. You need to declare the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And if you neglect all those important teachings that you need to tell a person, who is seeking the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are subtracting from the word of God. And God says, take heed, because you will be penalized. I will hold you accountable. If we don't preach the word of God as is, we are also subtracting from the word of God. If we don't preach about sin, we, all, we just preach about love, joy, how to live, your own Christian life, DIY, do-it-yourself Christian life, and we don't deal with other issues that are in the Bible, then we are subtracting from the Word of God. The last invitation, verses 20 and 21. Pray for the coming of God. Pray for the coming of God. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. The third time in this chapter, he said, I come quickly. Amen. And John the Beloved said in response, Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Are you praying that Jesus Christ will come back soon? Especially with these signs of the times that we are experiencing right now. In 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter said, Hasting unto the coming of God. 
We, we hasten the coming of God not by doing anything else but for praying. Lord, Maranatha, may you come quickly. We want to see you soon. We want to be in heaven. We want to have an eternal fellowship with you and with all the other believers. In application, let me give you five things. And I pray and hope that at least one of these will be instilled in your heart and as you leave this service, at least one of these, you're going to delight to apply in your life. Not only this week, but for the rest of your life. So first one, get ready for Jesus is coming soon. Again, are you ready? Are you ready for his coming? And if you're not, and you don't know what to do, approach me after the service. Or approach any one of our men here. They can share with you how to get ready. Secondly, do not worship any object or creature other than God. Idolatry is an abomination to our Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ already, confess your sins regularly and live in close fellowship with Jesus Christ. Live a life that is holy before Him. And how do you do that? Check your thoughts first. What are your thoughts today, right, right now? When you look at the computer, what are your thoughts? Remember, when we are in our computer, even if you have um, antiviruses or say anything else, sometimes there will be some, some things that will pop up that will make our thoughts impure. So we need to be very careful. How can a young man cleanse his way and make himself pure by taking heed into the word of God hiding the word of God in your heart so confess your sins regularly and live in close fellowship and fourthly again for the believers invite people to come to Jesus people as I've said the lost people will not come to our church unless we invite them or we go to them and tell them that they need to be saved and lastly, do not distort the central teachings of the Bible. If we're not sure what the Word of God says, then ask the Lord, am I explaining your Word accurately or am I mistaken? Because we don't want to handle the Word of God irreverently. We need to treat it with much respect. I pray and hope that you are here today. You don't know Jesus Christ. I pray that you will come to know Him. Pray to him, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need you to be my Lord. I want to have a forever relationship with you. That's it. There's no magic formula. Lay down your life to him and he will accept you. And if you're a believer, until he comes back, continue to faithfully serve him. Let us pray.